Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I are in full-blown summer mode. Justin just got back from Hawaii. I I don't know. I didn't do anything cool, but um, welcome back from the Aloha State, Justin. Why, thank you, sir. Glad to be back. And uh, it's nice to come back to some World Junior Hockey, too. That was just quite a treat. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, was it Kurt Johnson doing the uh, the old Michigan over there? That was pretty fun. Oh, yeah, Mr. Kent Johnson, a Michigan Kent, guy yeah, doing sir, the Michigan. Kent Johnson. Who would have thought it? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, it was. I mean, hey, to do that in, uh, in that tournament, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, definitely don't tell us about Hawaii, though. I don't feel like being really jealous, so we'll just kind of skip right over <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, if you were wondering, hey, how come these guys haven't done a show in a minute? Uh, that's that's the reason why. I tried to post that episode of our, our, our last episode that we did uh, kind of halfway during the time when you were gone so that, you know, it wasn't so long. So I know, you know, our to our listeners, we're sorry. I know you missed us both. Uh, I don't know enough about hockey to talk by myself so i i'm afraid i'm afraid without give yourself a little more credit i i I really need justin no no you're it's it's not that it's that you're you're just my motivation to get my ass in the chair to talk about hockey not like with the record button on i feel like i i was talking with my brother you know what before we jump into the top 10 we'll just do we'll just do a little quick uh update on what's happening around the league just because because we can um we can always what what I figured out. This is a this is a stupid technical thing that if you're a listener and you're like, I don't care, talk about hockey. Um, I figured out that what you can do is you can post these episodes and you can have stuff that is current. And then if you want to, you know, if you like the rest of it, like these top ten lists that are just, uh, you could listen to them any time. Really, like you could go back and listen to episodes we did four years ago. And a lot of those top 10 lists will still stand pretty darn well. They'll hold up. Uh, and you can just go out and you can you know, remove a little portion of uh, whatever it is that you did and just repost it and reuse it. So we'll, we'll, we'll do a little current events before we jump into our list because I, I know we want to jump on Nazem Kadri because some breaking news today. So, uh, Justin, what, what have you read? What are you hearing Nazem Kadri? Yeah, so in the Twitterverse, uh, apparently it's official. Nazem Kadri signs with the Calgary Flames, a seven times seven deal. And uh, apparently Calgary is in the works with Montreal and potentially, I, I've, I've already heard a, a potential third team in there, maybe for Montreal to move somebody too, um, to move Sean Monaghan to the Canadians to free up obviously some cap space so they can they can squeeze Kadri's contract in. There we go, yeah. Yeah. Uh... I, my favorite headline of this whole thing was from SB Nation, and uh, it said, Nazem Kadri to sign with Calgary Flames, who are not the Islanders. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> that got that's, me. Because everybody was saying that that's what was going to happen. Like, oh, they're just waiting, you know, they're just, no, apparently not. Right. I think maybe Kadri got tired of waiting, or maybe... Uh... Maybe he got tired that Lou was going to make him shave his mustache and stuff off and wouldn't let him keep that. So he's like, you know what? Now, fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's, I mean, I did not think that he was going to get a max deal, a seven year deal. Uh, so good on him for, for getting that. I, I, I guess some of the reason why it's the max deal at 7 million is probably so that it isn't like uh, an eight and a half times six or something like that or nine times six maybe maybe he could have gotten that somewhere else but um you got to think they spread it out for that reason so uh yeah i mean what what a weird summer for the calgary flames they go from having this like goodrow leaving you've got matthew kachuk leaving you know if you would have said hey uh, at the trade deadline last year, hey Kachuk and Goudreau, they're they're out. They're both going to be out. That would that would have probably surprised me pretty. I would have been shocked. Um, and now instead, you've got Huberdeau and Kadri, and uh, I mean Mackenzie Weger to a certain extent. Um, certainly not as uh, as efficient as those other two guys in terms of scoring. But yeah, this is this is like somewhat of a new team, but all under the guise of it's still a Dar- it's still Daryl Sutter's team. Right. And you kind of wonder too, like, how's Kadri going to, you know, play ball with this, right? So now he's got to, 
he's got to kind of play both ends of the ice. And I think he did pretty well in Colorado and showed a little bit of that in Toronto too. So I think, you know, this is the same paper type player is going to fit in, fit in kind of nice, at least for the first couple of years with, with Daryl Sutter's teams. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see more or less, you know, how these lineups end up, you know, playing out because, you know, Jonathan Huberdu coming in and maybe, you know, with Tyler Tufoli there, do you want to stack your top line with, with maybe Lindholm, Huberdu and Tufoli, or maybe you want to break it up a little bit and put Kadri on that second line and put one of those wingers with him and, and see what kind of chemistry you get. So it's, uh, it'll be quite interesting. Yeah. Suddenly they've got, uh, more depth at center. Certainly. I, I mean, that's, uh, a big part of, you know, I guess moving out a guy like Goodrow, well, not moving out, but losing him. Um, uh, I know you replace him with Huberdo, but I mean, this is Kadri coming in. I, I think this is a good move for the flames in the temporary, like in the immediate next three years, uh, which I think is all you really care about. If you're a Flames fan, you got to be looking at this going. Uh, obviously, you know, you're not worried about five years from now, right now. You just can't be. And uh, you, you have to see if you can build upon what you, you what you have throughout the rest of your lineup because they had a pretty darn good team. Uh, a lot of their players coming of age, I'll say. And you don't want to miss out on several other guys like uh, Andrew Mangiopan and uh, like you signed Blake Coleman to a long deal. You know, you, you brought in Tyler Toffoli. You've got Noah Hannafin in his prime, Rasmus Anderson, and you've, you've got maybe another year or two left of a good Chris Tanev. Uh, there, there's a lot of pieces here, but this is like a two or three year window, I think for the flames. So, uh, and, and you're talking to 32 year old Jonathan uh, Jacob Marks, Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. So you got to be thinking about winning with him now, as opposed to in you know he, obviously in in four years when his contract's up, he'll be thirty six years old and probably not an elite goaltender anymore. Well, right. I mean, if you look at it, four seasons from now, the twenty five twenty six season, it's Kadri Huberdeau and Blake Coleman. That's their forward group. That's all they have signed, and Rasmus Anderson on the back end. And then one year left of Jacob Markstrom. So of course, everybody's gone or potentially could be moved out. And you I know, believe this, this it's court... uh, I believe it's Rasmus. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's sorry. Ras- yeah, Rasmus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm sorry. You know, you're right. There's it, a show on Rasmus Netflix. Anderson. It's called The Rain, and it was like one of the. It was like a Danish show or something like that. It was like the rain Ooh. comes and it and it burns people alive, kind of vibe. So you got to get out of the rain. <laughs> Uh, it was like a sci-fi ish kind of show. It was actually, it was pretty cool. Uh, and the, and anyways, but the, the kid who has this like special DNA in him to, to write the wrong of the whole earth. Uh, his name's Rasmus, but the sister says Rasmus, Rasmus. And that's all I can ever think of when I hear anyone named Rasmus. So, all right, cool. Rasmus. It is Rasmus. Uh, Rasmus. <laughs> right. So, well, yeah, I mean, so anyways, uh, <laughs> Bye. fantastic. <laughs> I got to move past this. It's going <laughs> to, but bottom line is you're right. There's, there's a small window there. And, you know, again, some of these guys are, you know, pushing 30 years old to their core. Elias Lindholm is 27. Tyler Tupoli's 30. Um, you know, like I said, these guys are, are getting up there in age. And so you don't want to have your core be 32 to 35 years old. Basically when you're trying to win a cup, that's just, that's just not going to work. In it's this called day the New York David and Crosby. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe they get Barry Trotz in at that point. Maybe he comes back to coach. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. I mean, and the other thing for Kadri, I think he's, you know, seven times seven, you know, Daryl Sutter is not going to be the coach of the Calgary flames throughout the entire course of his deal. I mean, Daryl Sutter's 63. Is he going to be coaching in Calgary till he's 70? No, probably not. Especially the way he coaches, you know, you, you expect that maybe he's got one or two more years left in Calgary before uh, you start to you – know, he sours on guys. That, that's just what happens with Daryl Sutter. Yeah, yeah, or before he gets pushed upstairs to some, like, president of hockey. Ops. Sure, sure, yeah. Sure. Then a new coach is in here, so. Yeah, what he spent uh, – with the L.A. Kings, he was their coach for what? Uh, I guess, like, seven years, I think he was their coach for. He got fired. No, sorry, he got fired – uh, in that seventh year, so right, right, six seasons, he was the coach there, and he was the, he was only the coach. It's uh, it's funny, you know, how long was he the coach in 
in Calgary before. Uh, well, he was coaching there for three year, three and a half years. Then he was the GM. The GM, right? Yeah. I mean, a total of seven years there. So he stepped down from head coaching and was GM, and then went and took the head coaching job in in LA. So. Yeah, crazy to think. Like that was when he was forty four years old. That's that's crazy. Uh, well, anyway, so the yeah the Calgary Flames obviously they're they're uh, preparing for right now, and I think they're going to be a pretty darn good team. Uh, it'll just it may take a minute for them to kind of find where all the pieces fit together because they they had been they were a group that have had been together for a long time. You think about Monahan, Goudreau, Kachuk. I mean, these guys were were in it, and uh, Monahan not so much in the last year. Uh, he was relegated to kind of the fourth line, but uh, a lot of these those guys had played integral roles in the lineup night in and night out, and now they're gone. So you wonder how it'll affect Ling, Lindholm. Um, you know, you you wonder how how's it going to affect Backlund because now does Backlund get? Uh, shoved so far down the lineup that now he's playing that third line role again. Uh, there's there's a few question marks, but I I think that this is still a really good team. Yeah, and it besides being a good team, right? I think when you look at their division, right? So they have Edmonton they have to deal with. Uh, LA is getting a little bit better, but now Vegas they don't have a starting goaltender. I mean they're back to their number right. three, number four goalie. So um, I think if anything, their odds to win this division have pretty much. I don't know if you want to say gotten better, but I, I don't think they've gotten any worse than they were last year. Is You, you don't know, think as Laurent, well as Laurent did, so. is going to win the Vesna Trophy this year? Dude, I'm picking Logan Thompson Logan right Ty- now. Yeah, so. Logan Thompson for, for the, all those, yes, those big 20 games he played. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we've it's, uh, it's rare that you see a goalie play really well for 20 games and then not be good for the, you know, the next 200. Never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like no no one's ever won like a Vesna trophy and then been horrible the rest of the time. Other than you know Jim Carrey. Uh, okay, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. He did. He did win the Vesna in the uh, lockout year, the ninety four ninety five. Oh. So, you know what a what a guy. I think he was out of the game within three years after winning the Vesna. Something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, should we jump into our list? I don't. I don't think we've even uh, teased what we're going to talk about here with our list. But we are officially doing our top ten grinders of all time. Uh, this is. It, it's pretty much all we said to each other was like, "Yeah, let's do a list of top ten grinders," and we could have put in a lot of. Uh, I'll say like ground rules as to who this could have been, uh, because there is. a a very big definition like it's what's a grinder what does that mean does that mean someone who's a tough guy does it mean someone who's defensive does it mean someone who's just like uh has a giant ass and is willing to stick it in front of people so that they can't get the puck <laughs> like what is a grinder uh and i think that's the beautiful thing about this list is that the, we might have completely different players on this list because you might have picked uh you might have had some different criteria and i'm okay with that i, I think it's fun uh so Share with me, how did you go about, you know, what kind of criteria did you have in order to place a player on this list? Yeah, first off, can I just say, if we're going to go off a of biggest ass, let's just put Yamir Yager at the top. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not on my list, okay. but he, he would have just just missed had I, yeah, no, he would he would be on okay. there if, if we were doing just off ass size. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so for me, grinders, right? So I look at basically a few different things right so first off i i took a look at you know basically there's all these classifications as far as hockey players when you talk about your your playmakers your two-way guys um really for me a grinder kind of falls somewhere in between a power forward who's just a big guy that has a lot of offensive upside and can score the puck right but maybe you know uses his size more or less to to be good offensively and then i i kind of put that in between on the opposite end an enforcer a guy who's just out there just to beat the crap out of people right so for me a grinder is someone who kind of falls in between but is that guy who you know also is willing to go to those hard areas is willing to go in front of the net is that guy who's really just i mean essentially going to grind it out the whole entire game and just make it very difficult for opposing teams whether that's being physical a little nasty or just playing really good defensive hockey okay um I'll, I'll say this for my list. Um, 
I certainly went off of uh, a player needed to have some serious talent to be on this list. Uh, I don't. Okay. I. I'll give you an ex- like I. I didn't even remotely consider someone like Kirk Maltby. He he didn't come up in my like. I mean, I thought I I thought about. It. I have I have down at the very bottom best line best grinding line of all time the grind line Draper Maltby McCarty. <laughs> Kosher was a part of that for a minute. I mean, it was just, it was freaking called the grind lines. Of course, it's the best grind line or grinder line ever, but uh, none of those players made the list for me because I I just don't, there wasn't the the offensive upside, which I, I think that you need, you know, you can be a quote unquote grinder. You can be someone who goes into the dirty areas. You go to the front of the net. You, you're willing to take, you'll take a beating, uh, you can, you know, cycle the puck in along the boards. You've got that. It's almost like somebody who, like someone who can cycle, you know, as opposed to like, if you think uh, Ovechkin, definitely earlier in his career, uh, maybe an argument could be, could be made to say, yeah, he was kind of a grinder because he, he blew guys up, but I'd say that he was really more of just a really aggressive goal scorer uh, pure goal scorer with like some power forward abilities and and he just he was very excitable um, but I wouldn't classify him as a grinder or even really a power I, I wouldn't even put him as a power forward either um, he just hit early in his career and really built a name for himself but uh, over now you know now he's not really hitting guys like that anymore anyways but uh, I think there, there's got to be maybe some level of toughness but toughness also, it it wasn't necessarily the sole factor or the deciding factor for me. It was all right. Who's got a ton of skill? Who could who could quote unquote grind it out and use their body and push guys around, like get into position and and is just in these these places that are tough to get to, but always seem to find the puck in the right places and. Uh, and they're they're a part of that cycle game. So that was how I determined who would get on my list. So my list is does not have a bunch of now we could have said best third line players of all time. That would have been a different list completely over here's the best grinders of all time. So Yes, absolutely. Jordan Stahl would have been number one on my list and didn't <laughs> even make this one. So <laughs> Yeah, you would have, I mean then you would have been you know, it would have been very reasonable to say, well, like Chris Draper, one of the best third line centers ever, for sure. Right. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm. This is more or less like who's someone that's really good that scored goals or or made plays or like they they produced offense for their team. As was the way that yeah. I did my list. Uh, that's fair. Now I I will say now if I I did have two guys, maybe I had a toss up between who would go like say in, instance number seven or number six. I pretty much was like, okay, well, the deciding factor is who's better offensively. So they okay, the yeah, that's fair. So. That's fair. Yeah, because you're kind of thinking like, who do I want on my team, right? Like, right. Yeah, I want these guys on my team. Um, maybe, maybe in the future we'll do like, who's the best fourth line players of all time? That would be an interesting list to, to do. So, or you know, bottom six or something like that. But um, absolutely. Okay, let's uh, let's dive in. Give me your just missed players. Okay, I've got three guys on the just missed, and two of them our former Toronto Maple Leafs. So you might know these names. Let's hear them. Okay. So number one on my just missed is Scott Hartnell. Um, ah, Scotty Hartnell. You know, yeah. Yeah. Old Columbus blue jacket flyer. I mean, this guy was slow as balls, but man, did he grind it out every single game and, and produce because of it. Right. I mean, that's just, those are the type of guys you want. you right. You don't have the speed, which in today's NHL, obviously he just wouldn't, wouldn't cut it. I don't think he would be quick enough. He'd be a fourth line guy and eventually, you know, fizzle out. But, um, ultimately he just had a good hockey IQ and really knew how to work in those hard areas. Um, also on my list, the current player, uh, Zach Hyman, who to me just, again, he's one of those guys that goes and works hard in those, those corners. He's in front of the net. He goes in all the hard places that Connor McDavid, that Austin Matthews, they just won't, didn't go at the time, and he, you know, was rewarded because of it. And then, uh, last but not least, Darcy Tucker. Darcy, dude, he is one of my favorite players <laughs> ever. Yeah, I love Darcy. Yeah, Tucker. he's. I mean, he's just one of those guys you you love to hate, but also if he's on your team, you love him. 
Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely love Darcy Tucker. What a guy. Um, my just missed uh, two Toronto Maple Leafs, actually, on my just missed. Uh, none of the ones that you listed. I have Dougie Gilmore and Wendell Clark on my just missed. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm go- I, mean, I have a feeling. You have a feeling. I have a feeling based upon those two players on our list are going to be vastly different. Okay. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. Uh, yeah. Doug, I mean, Doug Gilmore, fantastic player. Of course he won the, the Selkie in like 1993, 94. I think it was that year. One of the, either 93 or 94. He won it. Uh, and, and Wendell Clark was just a little bulldog, uh, did everything right. But yeah, those, those two guys just missed my list. So yeah, I mean, that obviously gives you an idea of like what kind of talent might be on my list. So, okay, that's beautiful. Yeah, uh, 92 93, by the way. So. Okay, yeah, 92 93. Yeah, that was the year that yeah. everybody had like 150 points and or like tons of 100 point guys and whatnot, right? Right. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's go. Uh, let's go with your number 10. Who do you got? All right, I've got Terry O'Reilly from the Boston mm. Bruins. Nice choice. Uh, Yes. I mean, there's a reason Phil Esposito dubbed this guy the Taz because he was a Tasmanian devil, reckless, hard-driving play. Um, I Even I look on Wikipedia, and there's a nice little picture of him charging the stands at Madison Square Garden in 79. It's just fantastic. Um, I mean, this, this guy was, was a bruiser, and, uh, you know, again, just he was a fan favorite in Boston, and unfortunately – you know, he got to wear the C the last couple of years of his career. That's how much, you know, he was beloved there, even though he just, he produced, you know, midway through his career, he put up 90 points one season in 77, but uh, really wasn't a high scoring guy in the, you know, late seventies, early eighties, like it started to trend. And, uh, but again, you know, his, his career was cut short, only 891 games. And that just, you know, in a little over 2000 penalty minutes, I mean, that just really proves how hard this guy played every single night and uh, just made it tough for, for teams to play against him. All right. I love it. Um, my number 10, you know, I feel like I, I hesitated to put him on here. I thought maybe, uh, maybe just, no, I'm going to, I'm going to upset Justin right away with my number 10. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, do you have any, Oh no, I guess what I was going to say, do you have any goalies on this list? <laughs> Did you throw Ron Hextall on the list? Or uh, no, no goalies. No, okay, yeah. no. Neither, uh, neither did I. He'd be the only one that I could think of that you could even remotely come close to dropping him on a list like this. Um, but yeah, no, no, I didn't have Ron Hextall. Um, my number ten is uh, a man who has won four Stanley Cups. He won a Conn Smythe Trophy, and you know had a had had some some big years for. Uh, for teams that won the cup and that was, you know, that's kind of his contributing factor. And, and he was not unwilling to do things that, uh, that bothered people, which like somewhat, cause he was, he wasn't an enforcer. So I'm not putting him in the for, enforcer track. Uh, but that is Claude Lemieux. I had a feeling. Claude I thought Lemieux. about putting him in my list. Yeah. Oh. I, I mean the years that, uh, that he won the Stanley cup, his, you know, his rookie season, uh, well, sorry, I, I'm not sure if it was his rookie season or if it was just the first season he made the playoffs. Uh, it wasn't his rookie season. It was like his third year. Uh, he had 16 points in 20 games in the playoffs, 10 goals. Uh, and the guy just, I mean, in 20 games, he had 68 penalty minutes <laughs> in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had he had over 50 penalty minutes three different years in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, won won a cup with New Jersey. Gets traded to the Avalanche. Wins a cup there, you know. And then he wins a, another cup with New Jersey later on in his career. I know the his uh, his fourth Stanley Cup. You know, you might go, well, that was later in his career. You know, he was he he was kind of bouncing around. He actually had ten points in twenty three games that year uh, in the playoffs for the uh, for the New Jersey Devils. Uh, a thirty eight point year in seventy games. But man, at thirty three years old for the Avs in like ninety nine, he was playing twenty one minutes a game. Uh, I mean, he wow. was, yeah, uh, I, he was somebody who was relied upon. He always he had boatloads of penalty minutes. He was always willing to defend his his teammates, and uh, that in order for a guy from that era, from like not uh, not the current era or like post. Uh, 2005 lockout kind of era. I think you've got to be somebody who is willing to stick up for your teammates. Um, Terry O'Reilly fits that bill, and, and so does Claude Lemieux. And of course, 
Oh, Claude Lemieux uh, also took a beating from some people. So <laughs> Darren McCarty, not on my list, but sort of in spirit on my list because Claude Lemieux, anytime Claude Lemieux appears somewhere, uh, McCarty is, is just close behind, right? Uh, okay, Beautiful. Let's, let's go to number nine. Okay, number nine, I have Dave Tiger Williams. All right, yeah, you, you're going, uh, your list is going to be much different than mine. <laughs> you're I going mean, for look, the monsters, is, the pure monsters. I mean, some of these guys, yes, absolutely. When you get a little higher on my list, you'll you'll see a little bit more finesse, I guess. Um, I mean, there's a reason he has close to 4,000 penalty minutes. Unreal. Leads the NHL all-time in that category. I mean, he just... Uh, he was a he was a wrecking ball out there and uh, just difficult to play against, no doubt. Um, but again, he just he just was one of those guys again that was just so so hard to play against. And he actually finished uh, 14th in Hart Trophy voting in 80-81. So uh, you know he had a little he had a little offense to his game. Oh, there you but, go. Uh, but man, he had so many seasons. I, I want to say four or five. No, six. I'm sorry counted up here of 300 plus penalty minutes wow yeah that's... Um, i don't even know what that equates to per game but my god uh actually i want to do the math now just because uh Three, just because i'm curious 300 so. penalty minutes you're i mean you're almost at four penalty four minutes of penalties a game yep uh, 4.13 minutes a game which it, it is interesting because you know he is the all-time leader in penalty minutes uh yet his best season in terms of how it matches up with other people's all-time most penalty minutes is uh, only only 18th all-time, and that was 86-87 uh, with the L.A. Kings. And then he's got 25th with the Leafs in 77-78, and then 32nd, 34th, 38th. Like, he's got a lot in the top 50, uh, but the most all-time is Dave Schultz for the Philadelphia Flyers. The guy had... 472 penalty minutes, Woo. which is uh, a lot of them were fights. I got to imagine because that is uh, a yeah. lot of game misconducts. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of the most penalties taken in one year in 69 games. Uh, Steve Durbano for the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Kansas City Scouts in 75-76 took 124 penalties equating to 370 penalty minutes and that is the most all-time second second most is your boy Brad Bob Probert with 123 penalties taken in a year oh I love it so Steve by Dur- the way Bob Steve Probert Dur- didn't even make the list well uh, well yeah yeah uh, rip uh yeah Steve Durbano he had uh 200 and he played 220 games had 1127 penalty minutes and had 13 goals he must have been. But he was a defenseman. Okay, at least he was a defenseman, and he was a first round pick for the seventy one New York Rangers. Uh, wow! There you go. Somebody that you. I I guarantee you, no one, no one listening to this. If you are listening to this podcast and you are like, oh yeah, Durbano, yeah, he's a good player. Like, send a tweet at us at Otiaki because I want to. I want to know who remembers, especially because he played for the seventies Kansas City Scouts, Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, but yeah, Dave Dave Tiger Williams a good good player to have on this list. Um, I'm I'm going in a whole different direction uh, because I love it. My number nine is a guy who was also on our last show. Uh, our list of the top ten players who have not won a Stanley Cup or didn't win a Stanley Cup. Uh, I have Jerome McGinley as my number nine best ninth best grinder of all time. I mean, McGinley was willing to fight. He'd get into the dirty areas. Boy, could he shoot, but he was willing to uh, to get to the net and make things happen, and he was tough and mixed it up in the corners. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and has all the trophies to boot, right? Like two two rockets. Uh, he won the Art Ross. He, he got the Pearson four, four all-star appearances. And, uh, of course, he's also in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know what I noticed something just just to throw this out there um i'm pretty sure that this wasn't i I had never seen this before maybe maybe i just didn't didn't realize it but has the uh all rookie team been in the awards section of hockey references uh 
like you know you know in hockey reference you can look at a player's stats and on the far right side you've got all the awards and it tells you where they were at in the voting right yeah um have you ever have you noticed the ar which is the nhl all rookie team being in there because i just noticed it this week uh, really? of it being in there yeah am i going crazy it's been in there the whole time I think so. I don't okay. know. I mean, now I'm questioning myself, but I feel like it's been there. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. Anyways, yeah. he was on the NHL All-Rookie Team in 1996-97 for Calgary. Uh, okay. But, yeah. So, uh, anyways, Jerome Ginla, my number nine. Okay, let's let's keep her moving, and we'll go to number eight. <laughs> yeah, I'll make I'll make number eight pretty quick here. Uh, only guy with more than 1,000 points and 3,000 penalty minutes in the NHL, that is Dale Hunter. Mm, um, Dale, yeah. Clearly... Yeah, clearly a reason why he's got 3,000 penalty minutes. I mean, he just made it tough to play against, whether he was, uh, you know, being physical out there or just really, you know, he. I mean, he was the type of player, at least in my opinion, that just really drove hard all the time and just really played uh, just really played a, a gritty style of game. But it's, it's funny because uh, according to – I was reading on Wikipedia. I hadn't even really known this about him. But according to former Quebec Nordiques coach Mike Bergeron, even though Hunter was nicknamed the nuisance, uh, he was known to be humble in the dressing room and a gentleman close to the players. And the players referred to him as the perfect player. So, wow, little little different in the dressing room, I guess. So, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, he wasn't like that as a coach. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I, uh, I think something happened to him. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good pick there. Uh, my number eight is. Rod Brindamore. Oh, throwing that out there right away. Won a cup, two Selkies, and uh, those Selkies were back to back in 05, 06, and 06, 07 for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and and really like consistently one of the players who's you know kind of thought of in the in the Selkie voting. Um, one of those years, tenth in Hart Hart Trophy voting. The uh, thing that always caught caught my attention with Brindamore. I know he's, you know, he kind of maybe more fits that like traditional grinder role. Like he could move up and down the lineup. He could be on your first line. Yeah, he put up 97 points in 93-94 with the Philadelphia Flyers. Like with the Flyers, he was putting up big points. You know, he had an 86, 97, 87, 74, 74, like big point seasons. And uh, not a massive goal scorer, but definitely had he had thirty goal scores or thirty uh, thirty goals five seasons in his career. So you know putting up goals and uh, but always responsible defensively, willing to fight, uh, digging in the corners. And holy smokes, did this guy play a lot in in oh five oh six when he won his first selkie as a thirty five year old. He he not I mean he put up 70 points. He was at, he averaged in 78 games 24 minutes and 18 seconds a game. That's unreal. Ooh. For a for a centerman, he was averaging over 24 minutes a game. There's there's wow. really good defensemen in the NHL that that uh barely scratch that. <laughs> Right, I was gonna say, um, there's a reason Connor McDavid doesn't even play that amount of minutes. Yeah, but yeah, okay. and the next year he played over 23 minutes a game. Uh, it's that. I mean, that's a that's a tremendous amount of games. Especially, you know, you could you could go. All right, well, yeah, sure, a 23 year old maybe playing a lot of minutes. Whatever. The guy was 35 and 36 <laughs> when he's doing that. <laughs> so, uh, just I mean, a fantastic career and somebody who. When you think of Rod Brindamore, you think of him with that freaking cut on his nose. Like, right. he's just got, he has like a permanent cut on his nose. Like, it's broken always. It's, it, <laughs> it is continually, like, he definitely can't breathe out of that nose at all. He's a mouth breather. <laughs> a mouth breather. <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, Rod Brindamore. I mean, the other cool thing about him is that he kind of has brought that same attitude into coaching, and uh, and I I just I can appreciate that. that Absolutely, guys love to play for him. They loved to play with him. Uh, they love to play for him, and and he you know he pushes guys to to be their best. And I think that that's also a part of being someone in this role is that you're like you're kind of that guy that you would look at and go that that's probably someone in the locker room who's like 
kicking people's asses a little bit, right? Like <laughs> it's kind of a part of it. And so I, um, I didn't really realize or think about that well building this list, but now that I look at it, a lot of the personalities that will fill the rest of my list too um, are that way. So just just an interesting thought there. Do uh, you want to go to number seven? Yeah, yeah. I got a guy, uh, my first defenseman on this list, um, which I had a really hard time Shall putting I a defenseman. defenseman on my list? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, you don't really consider defenseman grinders that often, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's typically not there. But, you don't usually want to see a defenseman behind the net getting right. pinned up and holding the puck. So so it's not a knock on it. Maybe we can do like, uh, I don't know, best defensive defenseman or like tough defenseman or something. Yeah, why not? Or like the defenseman that should actually win the Norris Trophy because they're the best defenseman, not because they are the run and gun guys. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah but uh, when I saw this <clears throat> this little stat here, I thought, you know what? I, I got to put this guy on the list. Uh, he actually scored the 1991 Stanley Cup winning goal. In oh wait, let me let me see if I can guess who it is. In what yes, year? Please, 91. Okay, 91. With Pittsburgh all right, Penguins. All right. Yep. Yep. 91 Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh boy, are we looking at like? No, it's not not Kevin Hatcher. Is it Kevin Hatcher? No, 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 no. No, no Olf Samuelson. Yes, it is. Okay, Olf Samuelson. Olf nice. Samuelson. Nice. Yeah. Nice guess. Did yeah. he score the Stanley Cup winning goal for the Penguins? He, he did, which it was it's crazy because I mean, really, you look in his career, he he actually did score. I mean, fifty-seven goals, so he put up he put up a couple. Right? He was I mean, yeah, he was a decent offensive player. I mean, not, not yeah. crazy, but yeah, that's uh, you, you know, I I have that I have a collection of Stanley Cup winning goal scores, and I don't right. think I have an Ulf Samuelson. Well, there's so, another one for you, but so I mean, I there's a reason. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was he was at one point the most hated guy in hockey. He actually had true. Um, he had a nickname that I just I found out reading into him a little bit more. Uh, nickname RoboCop because of the the suit of armor, the padding he wore underneath his his jersey. It was just fantastic. But I mean, this guy was just a heavy hitter, an agitator. Uh, you know, again, when you're the most hated guy in hockey, right? You're obviously tough to play against. Kind of remind me a little bit of uh, uh, like Sean Avery, right? Guys just hated him, but he was tough to play against. So hey, yeah, so I he like makes it. my list. I like it. Uh, my number seven is uh, is someone who is maybe best known for crying as he watched Jonathan Taves lift the cup. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's Jeremy Roenick. Um or he's best known for being a pervert. I'm not sure which one. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, that's fine. I mean, we all. I, I mean, yeah, he was he was an idiot. But anyways, yeah. uh, is he working anywhere now or no? See I don't think so. No, no, he never got hired back. He actually was pretty good. I I liked I liked listening to him when he was, uh, you know, I like him was, better than Mickey Redman. That's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that was in 2020. That was a while ago. Um, all he had to do was just say like, "Yeah, Catherine Tappan's really hot," and it would have been like, mm, "You shouldn't have said that," but like, it would have been okay. But instead, <laughs> he had to go and basically say that he wished that he could sleep with her. Like, uh, bad idea. Um, yeah, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, Jeremy Roenick, he is my, uh, he's my number seven. When you look at what he did in his career, uh, the guy was just put up tons of penalty minutes, was willing to fight, uh, but could skate like the wind. He kind of a different, different type of, uh, of grinder where he, I mean, for his time, he could really skate, you know, he had those white skates and whatnot and, and uh, just feel like he was kind of that that like consummate teammate kind of guy and uh i know that he he did get himself in trouble but it's like also something about those grinders you know you want like has a certain swagger to him um i know that he he uh you know didn't didn't always make friends with with people but i think it was it was during the lockout i think was it him he said uh he told fans to kiss his ass and said that they were jealous of him, like because it was something like, uh, remember during that lockout, people were talking about how like, oh, these NHL players, they're all like, they're all spoiled, they're making all these millions of dollars, and they don't want to play hockey because they want more money. And he told them to kiss his ass. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Yeah, he told them to kiss his ass. Uh, but, anyways, uh, 
Yeah, Jeremy Roenick, number seven. I'll give you my number six, too, because I think you'll you'll appreciate this one. Ties to the Leafs, ties to the Wings. That is uh, monster goal scorer Brendan Shanahan. Just a, just a pure beauty of a player. Beat the living tar out of people. Won three Stanley Cups. He's in the Hall of Fame, 656 goals. Um crazy that he never he never won any like any awards but he was I mean he really was like maybe one of those uh, textbook definitions of a grinder like just could blow people up and uh, and at the same time could score goals like very few players in the league could but he scored a lot of those from uh, you know from in, in tight so okay nice I like it uh, who's your number six? All right. At number six, I have another defenseman in my, my last one on this list. That is Eddie Shore. Mm, yeah, I, I thought about putting Shore on my list, and he kind of – I just I, – I know about him, but, you know, it was just more fun to put the players that I know about on here. <laughs> yeah, oh, of course. I mean, you know, look, reading into this guy again, we, we know he's got the accolades, right? I mean, as a defenseman, uh, four Hart trophies, he's third behind – um, you know, Gretzky and Gordy Howe, as far as Hart trophies are concerned. So um, there's the production as far as that's concerned. Now, what kind of fellas, you know, again, I just started reading more about how tough this guy was actually to play against. I mean, look, his first practice uh, after he got traded from Montreal to Boston, he was, you know, being a, you know, being a pest in front of the net, being hard to play against. And a couple players went after each other. They, you know, rush shore, guys collided, and next thing you know, half of his ears ripped off, and he literally watched the doctor just show it back on like no big deal. Uh, Why the guy he hit was <laughs> out cold and unco- out of commission for a week. So I love there it. was that. I love it. Yeah, and then, of course, like like you said, being difficult to play against, you know, obviously we know he ended Ace Bailey's career. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, somebody upended. I think it was King Clancy who upended Shore with a hard check. He was a little dazed and confused, thinking he was going to go hit Clancy and ended up hitting Bailey instead. Yeah. But again, all that said, it was just, you know, this was a guy who just played with that kind of tenacity every single game and made it difficult for guys to play against him. And, you know, obviously it's sad. He ended someone's career, but at the same time, I mean, there's a reason he had four heart trophies, right? He was just that good and difficult to play against. Yeah. Four heart trophies was second in heart trophy voting once and third, two times fifth once. So every year he was playing, he was up for the heart. And the years he won the heart, he was 30, 32, 33, 35. Right. <laughs> different, a different time, a different time. I mean, he didn't start his playing career until he was 24, uh, mostly because right. there wasn't much to, you know, it was 1926, but uh, definitely a different time. Uh, but I, li- I like him being on that list. Uh, my, uh, who's your number five? All right, number five, I go a little bit a little bit later in the in the years here all the way up to the 80s and 90s i've got uh, guy carboneau captain okay. for the montreal canadians three-time stanley cup winner he's got three selkies to play against uh finished twice in voting two other times and third and then of course his last year actually at age 39 finished ninth at selkie voting with the dallas stars i mean this guy it was just the the ideal number three number two center you wanted on your team a guy that went up against every top line every single night. And there's a reason, I mean, look, the guy never put up more than 56, 50, he put up 57 points once, 56 a couple times. But, I mean, he never produced big numbers, but there's a reason he captained Montreal to a Stanley Cup and, uh, you know, was just so beloved by every, you know, place he played at, Montreal, Dallas, St. Louis, you name it. Teams, fans loved him because he was just, he was that grinder. He was a fan favorite, a guy who, literally would go up against everybody's best players and most of the time beat them. Shut them down. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, my, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I thought about putting him on that list. Um, I've, I've got a different Montreal Canadiens player at my number four. So I kind of, that's, you know, I, I didn't want to put too many players in the same, on the same team. I don't think I have any players that at least like, you know, Shanahan and Lemieux, they both did play in the Devils, but I don't, I don't, people probably aren't like, where did Brendan Shanahan play? He played in so many places that like, you can't really pin down one. And, and a lot of people will remember what he did in Detroit, uh, especially, you know, the people that I know, cause we live in Detroit. Uh, but yeah, my number, uh, my number five is 
Probably uh, many consider him the greatest power forward of all time and maybe that player that, um, thanks to your number seven, Ulf Samuelson, will always wonder what might have been had he not gotten hurt and uh, was able to you know, continue his career uh, fully healthy, and that is Cam Neely. Nice. Uh, yeah, Cam Neely just, I mean... Tons of tons of penalty minutes because the guy was fighting. You always know that someone's fighting when they have even even number or the the number of their penalty minutes is a five. You know that means they fought. <laughs> they have to, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, just a was was always willing to throw his body around, and unfortunately gets destroyed by Ulf Samuelson. And you know he goes from a ninety two and a ninety one point season in only sixty nine games. Uh, and then pretty much is, you know, he, he had some, some good years, uh, but just couldn't, couldn't play anymore. Uh, in 49 games in 93, 94, he had 74 points and 50 goals. So he is the, I think he's the last player to have 50 and 50 and he had 50 and 49. So, uh, Cam Neely, my number five, uh, who do you have number four? All right, I've got a trio at number four, and I think you can probably guess where I'm going with this. Oh, you did one of these things. These things. It's (laughs) the grind line. Uh, Darren McCarty, Chris Draper, and Kurt Maltby. Uh, Yeah. Separate garbage players. All together, fantastic. No, not garbage. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I I agree. I mean, no, Chris Chris Draper was, again, your ideal third-line center, and you couldn't have asked for a better one, having, you know, won all those cups with Detroit. And, you know, Kurt Maltby and... Darren McCarty, they would, you know, go in all the dirty areas. They would play rough. They brought speed to the game. And, you know, of course, every once in a while, Darren McCarty seemed to chip in with just a highlight real goal. I don't know how he did it. The way he played most nights, I mean, you just, you wonder, okay, well, this guy just literally is just a grinder to, to agitate people, right? Kind of a little Claude Lemieux without the poor man's Claude Lemieux, as I like to think about it. Sure. <laughs> um, but then, then he would get stuck on a line change with Steve Eisenman and come up with some highlight real goal or, the Stanley Cup winning goal against Philly, you know, you watched it. I'm like, and it's funny. I don't know if you've seen the um, unrivaled series on ESPN they did between uh, the Abs and Red Wings rivalry. And if you haven't, check it out. It's phenomenal. Um, but they they basically mentioned that McCarty, everybody at the bench was yelling at McCarty to dump it in because it's Darren freaking McCarty. You're going to go one-on-one against the defenseman and, you know, Philly's goalie at the other end, you know, Hextall, you're not going to score. Like, no way. Wasn't it Desjardins? Was Desjardins the defenseman that he danced around? I think so. Yeah, it was a notable defenseman. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, there's there's no chance McCarty's going to get anything going off that. He might get a simple shot on goal, but it's not going to do anything. Move over, Mario! Yeah, (laughs) takes everybody out. I'm like, oh, my God, but... I mean, for me, just watching this this line play for so many years, I just couldn't keep them off the list. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Draper Malby did play on uh, Team Canada in 2006 in Torino, and uh, that's probably the worst Olympic team that Canada sent <laughs> uh, as far as NHL players being a part of it. I mean, they that was the sure. worst finish. Uh, they tried it. It was weird. They like tried to build this team of like, oh, we don't want to just bring a lot of big goal scorers. We want to bring guys who can shut people down. So they left some notable players off that team. I don't think Crosby was on that team. I'm going to go take a peek now because I'm kind of curious. I feel like he wasn't. Uh, or there was like some some notable guys weren't on that team. Uh, anyway, and that was on the Olympic ice. So, you know, dif- different game, different game. Um, yeah, tell me if Crosby was on that uh, 06 Torino team. Let's see. Uh, they had Niedermeyer and Jovanovski. They got injured, so they got replaced. Um and let's see. Uh, no, old, I don't see any you had Robocop here, but had Robocop and Olf Samuelson, and then we have Jovocop in Ed Jovanovic. Jovo, <laughs> yeah, no Crosby on this roster here. So. See what a brutal team. How dumb. And the reserves, Crosby wasn't even on the reserves, it was Jason Spezza and Eric Stahl. Which the fact that Spezza at that point was on the reserves, that's like he's six years in the league. And he was on the reserves, and you had Draper playing. No, no offense. It's not an offense to Draper. It's just you had oh, Jason Spezza. The next year, Spezza takes his team almost single handedly to the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh, that's yeah. and uh, in 06, I mean, Crosby's coming off a hundred and two point season. Yes, and you're like that. Nah, yes, it's cool. We're we're good. Yeah, he's just too young. I mean, granted, yes, he was eighteen. Who cares? Oh, I get it. 
Yeah, exactly. Who cares, right? That's the thing. He's labeled the next one, right? First overall, the next one. And the guy puts up 100 points, and you're like, nah, he's not good enough for international play. <laughs> yeah, and you, oh, we, let's bring the slow guys. <laughs> Let me get, was LeCavalier on that team? Oh, crap, I just closed out the window. Damn it. Make do it. Oh. But no, he was actually. I, I did see his name in there. He was, okay. And so was Martin St. Louis. So yeah, see, there you go. And the Cavalier, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were good. They, that that was uh, those those. Yeah, they're just coming off the Stanley slow. Cup win, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, okay, my number four, uh, I basically have the other Guy Carboneau, the, the OG Guy Carboneau, and that's Bob Gainey. Uh, Bob Ooh. Gainey, five-time cup winner, four-time Selkie winner, uh, along with the 78-79, or the 79 Smythe Trophy winner. Um, they literally made this trophy because Bob Gainey was so good at what he did that they made this trophy because – they needed to, to like award him for something. Like he is the reason they made this trophy. Um, he wins the first four of uh, of this trophy's existence and comes in second place in eighty one eighty two uh, in like in the year that he ended up losing it for the first time, and he loses it to Steve Casper of the Boston Bruins, a twenty year old. Uh, who uh, yeah? I, anyways, I don't. He was a minus eighteen, and he won the Selkie. <laughs> yeah, I, he must have been on a so bad team. But you weird. know what's crazy to me though is Bob Gainey won this award when he was the first one when he was twenty four. So if the NHL is going to create an award after you, and it's very well known, it's not like you know people are just this is an urban legend or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because he won the first one. I mean, clearly when you're between the ages of twenty and twenty three in the NHL in the seventies on Montreal. And you're that good defensively. I mean, he just yeah. came out. He must have come out of the gate. I mean, he probably would like if, just, if that trophy had existed before that. He probably would have had at least three more before that. <laughs> as the, yeah, maybe like, yeah, at least. But you know, his best season points wise, uh, forty seven points in seventy eight games. That was his best, uh, and and he didn't. Yeah, now that, that was the last year he won the Selkie for Montreal. Um, so mm. definitely not. And that he had twenty three goals that year. So. That was his best offensive year. Uh, that was back when they awarded the Selkie in, I think, a much more pure way. Like it was like, well, we're going to give it to somebody who is actually a defensive defense, def- a defensive forward, right? Not just a forward who's good at defense. It, it's so hard to because now we have so many more metrics to measure by, and I, I actually think that it's a better way to measure it. Like Bergeron, Barkov, these guys that are winning this award. Uh, I think it's a better way to measure it because you there is something to be said about, well, when you're putting up points, it means that the other team doesn't have the puck. But there also needs to be some kind of like, well, when the other team does have the puck, how often do you take it away? Like Datsuk winning the Selkie, that was one of the big selling points for why Datsuk should win it because they're like, well, every time somebody gets the puck, he takes it away. <laughs> and, right. and that is like pure measure of def- of defending, right? Like I took the puck away from you. Uh, that is, that's probably the best stat we have as far as like, just like a, a, a traditional stat to say, yeah, that guy stole the puck a lot of times and then didn't give it away very many times. That would be the, I guess the other, uh, the other measurement. But anyways, Bob Gainey, number four, basically made the defensive forward trophy and, uh, did everything right. Won tons of cups. And, uh, and you know, for all his uh, lack of points, the year he won the con Smythe trophy, 16 points in 16 games. So he went a point Beautiful. per game. It was like the best stretch of his career. <laughs> he had no other playoffs where he had those kind of, that kind of point production. Uh, no other year where he was, I mean, where he he was barely at .5 points a game. He was like .6 points a game kind of thing. And then he all of a sudden goes off and is a point per game in those playoffs. So well-deserved. Uh, all right, let's get into our top three. Beautiful. All right. Well, uh, for number three, you just talked about him, Bob Gainey. Okay. There we go. So no need to, to elaborate anymore. I, well said. Okay. Uh, all right. So you're Gainey number three for you. My number three is uh, Bobby Clark for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, tough to find a player who's has more awards 
and was looked upon as the best player in the league for several years who is a tougher player than Bobby Clark. Um, the smile. That's all you got to look at. The smile. Yep. Uh, he won <laughs> two cups, a Masterton, three hearts, a Pearson, a Selkie. Later in his career, in 1983, he wins as a 33-year-old, his second to last year, uh, and then also on four NHL All-Star teams. So uh, a, a fantastic career, but somebody who was just – I mean, he played the pure grinder kind of way, and he was on a team that was like just had all the grinders. So, and and had uh, what Dave Schultz we were just talked about him earlier with the most penalty minutes ever in a season. So, helps to have those guys to uh, <laughs> to protect you too. Sure does. I love it. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's hear your number two. Who who do you have? All right, for number two, I've got Robert Blake, Theodore Lindsay, uh, better known as Ted Lindsay to to the amateurs out there. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Rob Blake? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I didn't tell you I had a third defenseman on this. Yeah, list. right, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Uh, Ted yeah. Lindsay, tell us why you dropped him on there. I don't disagree. I mean, He's look, a great player, but. No, he was he was so tough to play against. He went out there and, I mean, he grinded every single shift. Uh, I mean, yes, we know about what he did post-career with the, the Players' Union and the award that he has now. Um, but there's a reason I called him Terrible Ted, right? And the NHL actually developed penalties for elbowing and kneeing to discourage that type of hitting just because of what Ted Lindsay was doing out there. I mean, he's the, re- the, the same reason Bob Ganey, you know, has the Selkie. Ted Lindsay created the elbowing and kneeing penalties just because that's how rough he played against the other teams. And he wasn't necessarily always fighting, but he was grinding every single shift, which is fantastic. And I mean, look, he, he won the, it's funny, the year he won the heart or the Ross trophy, he finished seventh in heart trophy voting. And uh, (laughs) I went back and and took a peek at it. I'm like, okay, we had Chuck Rayner win the, win the heart that year as a goaltender for the New York Rangers. Who was 20. Yeah. More, more losses than wins. Yeah. More losses than wins. And then I look and I'm like, okay, we've got Toronto, Toronto, Sid Abel. And clearly I'm looking at the ages. I'm like, okay, most of these guys are veterans who've been in the league for a few years. Like there was probably a little biasy towards the young guy getting it and just like, "Eh, okay, we're just going to, we're going to give the, the sympathy vote here and, you know, but still, I mean, he managed to put up 78 points more than anybody else. The, the number two guy on this list for the Hart Trophy that year was Ted Kennedy, who only had 44 points. I mean, he almost doubled this guy, but managed to finish in seventh. I, I don't understand it. So Crazy. I would lo- love to know a little bit more about why that voting went the way it did. But regardless, I mean, this guy, Ted Lindsay was just a grinder every single night. He could match up against the team's best players he could play, you know, great offensive hockey, and he always, you know, finished the season with, you know, 100 plus penalty minutes. I mean, in thousand games, he managed to finish with 1,800 penalty minutes. So you knew he was out there uh, playing a little, little rough every single night, which I just love for a grinder. Love it. Um, my number two was also a, a Red Wing, um, and uh, you know, four-time Cup winner. Oh, 21-time All-Star, six-time Ross, six-time Hart. <laughs> uh, gotta, gotta I wonder. give the nod to Gordie Howe as uh, the second best grinder of all time. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Now, see, for I mean, me, I would probably put him more or less, like, similar to Jerome McGinley. I kind of feel like he falls more or less in the power forward, but, again, that's a different era, so that they didn't have power forwards back yeah, then. Yeah, I, uh, I suppose. I mean, he's six-foot. 205. I mean, he was a bigger guy for the time. Um, I just, I mean, he just wasn't, he didn't stand down from anybody. I'm trying to remember who it was that, uh, there's a story of, of like him lining up for a face off and, and, uh, how, how looks at him and he says, Hey, like, welcome to you, you know, you know, congratulations on making the NHL, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, hope you have a great game. And he was, he was like, he was so nice to me. And then, we lined up for the face off and he, <laughs> and he like elbows him in the face and knocks him, knocks him down and wins the face off and just looks back to Adam and says, welcome to the NHL kid. Like <laughs> Unbelievable the stuff that these guys got away with. And it's so well, funny. You know, it's, it's great because like, I, I often wondered like, why was Gordie Howe 
again, when you look at his size and his stature, I'm like, how is Gordie Howe that much, you know, so physically dominant with with all these other cast of characters in the NHL? I'm I'm trying to, you know, look into this, and and I read that, you know, of course, back in that day, NHL players didn't get these million dollar salaries or a ton of money, right? Sure, so sure. a lot of these guys had to go work summer jobs, and so. Um, there wasn't the training regiment that you know a lot of players today have during the summer months, and so Gordy Howe's summer job was working at a construction company lifting bags of cement. So this guy was picking up fifty pounds every other minute, uh, and so of course he's just going to just be a lean, just monster of a guy. So of course, yeah, such a that's great weird time to think about that. It's so funny. Uh, <laughs> oh, how far we've come. Um, who uh, who's your number one? Oh, you've already mentioned him, and I, I don't oh. think you'll have any disagreement with this, but uh, Bobby Clark. Okay, Bobby Clark. I like it. Yes. For me, I don't think there's – if you had to talk about, like, a complete package of a player, it's kind of hard to argue against a guy like this. Um, you know, obviously we know about the accolades with the, the cups and everything else he did, but Bobby Clark pretty much just did it all um, – you know, as far as hockey players go, he was great defensively, great offensively, had the size, the speed, the skill, uh, the tenacity. And, you know, he just, I mean, the guy would just barrel, barrel over you. No questions asked, do whatever it took and was hard to play against every single night. So, um, you know, of course, just no questions. He was just an easy number one for me as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Um, my number one was also an easy number one for me. Uh, I had him. I I put it. He's the first person on my list, and uh, everyone else came after that. And uh, I tried to knock him down, but it just didn't happen. Uh, my number one has three cups, two hearts, two Rosses, uh, three Pearsons, eight eight time All Star, two Rockets, two Con Smythes, and a Mark Messier trophy. Since no one cares about that trophy, uh, <laughs> that is Sidney Crosby the NHL's greatest grinder of all time. I don't think that there is any player better than getting to the net and being in that, like it. I remember, I mean, Red Wings fans just especially, well, you know, definitely 10 years ago, 15 years ago, hated the guy, hated his guts. Um, And, I remember people telling me like the guy's just so lucky, like the puck just uh, like bounces out to him, or like it just no. He his entire career just knows how to play in and around the net, like create a a fifteen foot circle. I know you can't go fifteen feet behind the net, but like you know, I guess an oval uh, around the net. And in my opinion, there's been no player ever that has been better than Sidney Crosby in and around the net, um, deflecting the puck, getting loose pucks, cycling the puck. Uh, he has just been so effective. And while he it definitely is not that player who's putting up a bunch of penalty minutes or, you know, that, that type of pure, like, I'm going to go body check you kind of grinder. He does all the things grind-wise to create offense, and he has been the most successful at it uh, in comparison to any player in the history of the league, especially in the uh, in the time that he plays. Like, the points he's put up in the, in the era that he's played in where goal scoring has come at a premium, uh, he has been the best player for a very long time. Like, I, I think you can, you know, even just... You can drop in Connor McDavid. Of course, Connor McDavid has become uh, a more effective player than Crosby. But also, Crosby's what thirty-five years old now. Uh, He's getting up there. <laughs> we're, we're not expecting Crosby to be the best player in the league anymore. Uh, but man, he just continues to do his thing. And he's been so consistent over his career. And I, I know he had those injuries those few years, but uh, just for my money, the greatest grinder of all time. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. I actually was on a, uh, a Reddit forum and they were debating about, you know, top grinders all time. And somebody mentioned Sidney Crosby's name, right? And you think about it like, you know, and then the debate actually started not necessarily about whether Crosby deserves to be on that list. The debate actually started to form into, well, what's the definition of a grinder, right? Yeah. And some, some yeah. guys were like, yeah, we'll even go into those hard areas. Well, yes, Sidney Crosby checks that box, right? Um, 
you know, and of course you can always go back to, you know, the nineties and you can say, well, grinders just typically just a defensive four. Well, Crosby does that very well now. Right. Um, and he steals the puck, right? I mean, he's always, you know, a great face-off guy. He's, he's always got, he plays with a lot of tenacity and, uh, just always seems to have that motor going, which is what grinders typically do. So I don't hate it. Um, I don't, you know, again, I, if I had to classify it, and that's that's where it gets into some gray area, right? Because if you want to just classify as what type of player that is, I you know again I would probably put Crosby as a playmaker just because of that high IQ. But if you think about what a grinder is, he could still fall in that category. So I don't I don't hate the decision because he he checks off a lot of those boxes for sure. Thanks for validating me. <laughs> but I don't have them on my list, so that's, that's about as much validation that's, as you get. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. We we had some some very different lists, but that's that's what makes it fun. Um, well, there's our uh, there's our top ten grinders of all time. Let us know what you think. Who's your top grinder of all time? Uh, you can hit us on OT Hockey Talk on Twitter. And uh, next show we'll be doing probably another top ten list uh, as we you know we'll. we'll probably do another week of a, of a, a top 10 list and then we'll start getting into the nitty gritty as we approach training camp and, uh, and start to talk say about we're some, almost there. Yes. Talk about some te- like combinations of lines and, uh, new players being places. Now that we've had some time to let things, let the dust settle. Um, I know there are still names out there to still be signed. Phil Kessel's still available. You know, we, we've, we've, st- we still have some work to do. Uh, we'll see where those guys end up, but until then, Justin, you have a great rest of your week. And uh, to you our too, listen- Mark. Ah, thanks, thanks. And to our listeners, we hope that you have a, a pretty mediocre week. Not not as good as Justin's because he just got back from Hawaii. <laughs> so, if you compare, unless you're listening to this from from Hawaii, um, then you beat us both. So we'll we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great week.